Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement. Offering undergraduate and advanced degrees. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of recess in school. Uh, Many researchers feel that recess is a key component in children's social and physical well-being, but also in their ability to learn. And that's what we're going to be talking about with three guests who are in the studio with us. Abby Oliver is here. She's the principal at Sprunica Elementary School in Brown County. Donetta Cothran is with us. She's professor and director of undergraduate studies at the Department of Kinesiology at Indiana University. And Mary McMullen, a professor of early childhood education, associate chair and department of curriculum and instruction chair, the School of Education at Indiana University. You can join us on the program by phoning 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. You can follow us on Twitter, too, at Noon Edition. So thank you all for being here, Mary Catherine. I hope you had a great summer. I had a great <laughs> summer, but I missed being here on Noon Edition with you, Bob, so I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to have you back. And uh, it's, it is back to school time, so this is a really pertinent topic. Um, and we want to. I just want to open it up. Um, I guess first I want to ask um, Donetta to, to join in first about you know the, the research about about recess and what makes it an important part of an educational process. That uh, we finally do have the research to back that up. I think intuitively, educators, parents, anyone who's been around children have always believed in the value of physical activity and play. But over the last 10 years, particularly in the last five, there's been an explosion of research, some of it brain-based, some of it public health-based, some of it academically based. And all of those are pointing to the same finding that children need play to be good learners. Children need play to be healthy. And so um, it's been an exciting time to be able to to take that to educators, to take that to legislators, to take that to parents, to share some of that. I think some of our other guests may elaborate more on the specific uh, developmental needs, but social, cognitive, physical, it's mm-hmm. all there. Well, if I can follow up, one of the, uh, one of the pieces I read uh, before the show talked about how the, this shouldn't be necessarily um, equated with physical education either, that there are differences between recess as something that's valuable and physical education. Can you address that a bit? Well, physical education, like any class in the school curriculum, has specific learning goals that the teachers are required to meet by the state, just like in math or science. And it, uh, although it has a physical activity component, that's not the sole purpose. Uh, there's a social component, but that's not the sole purpose in the same ways that recess are. And I think the a key distinction is who's in charge of the movement. Uh, in physical education, it's teacher-driven with student choice and empowerment, but recess really is where... How do I get along with that person? How am I going to solve this? It's out. No, it's in. Those kinds of things that we remember from childhood, those fusses, those friends, who will I play with? How will I ask them to play with me? And recess has opportunity to develop in child-led ways some of the learning aspects that that would be more teacher-led in physical education. Mm-hmm. Now, Mary at uh, Sprunica, how important is this oh, to, to you? Oh, oh, Mar- oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I already made a mistake. Mary, uh, we'll go to you to to follow up on that. Well, uh, again, I'm at the School of Education, Mm -hmm. and um, I'm sitting next to Abby. Um, What I'd like to follow up on is, yes, that uh, some of the developmental um, uh, benefits of this, but also that it is different than physical education, which is also something that is necessary in school, but it is different. And what happens out on the playground is that, for the most part, children have not unsupervised time, but time that is not um, 
totally governed by the adult. In other words, the friendships get to form no, um, different kinds of social rea- social relationships are negotiated, good and bad. Uh, children learn that they are in, they are out. I think that's what you were talking about. And how to get in and how to remain in their social groups. Um, they learn about turn-taking and taking leadership roles and forming games and games with rules. And they learn to take time out um, uh, from the stress. And this is something that I'd like to for us to get into at, at some point. How how much time is enough time for those kinds of things to happen? If you're going to take leadership, you're going to be a part of playing a game, you're going to enjoy friendships, is 10 minutes enough? Hmm. You know, and um, it, are you just getting started in 10 minutes? Uh, let me just say a couple more things about the benefits. But being outside, getting fresh air, getting sunshine, using those big muscles. Um, all connects to the brain development that Donetta was talking about. Uh, but we do have research that shows the cognitive impact of uh, using the full body in, during times of recess. So, okay. I could go on. I know, and we'll let you, Erin, in a bit. But, uh, Abby, uh, I apologize for getting your name wrong there. Okay. But, but uh, I was going to ask about, about you know, the importance for you as a principal in elementary school. And then also, you know, what do you expect from your teachers who are monitoring recess period? What's their role? I agree with both these ladies that recess is incredibly important uh, on a number of different levels. Um, so children can develop relationships and friendships without the teachers providing the structure to the level that they do it within the classroom. Um, I do expect teachers and paraprofessionals or classroom assistants to be around to supervise and assist when children need help because this is a great time for children to take risks, um, not only with friendships and trying new things, but even on a piece of equipment or something they, they maybe wouldn't normally try, but with a friend they feel like they can do that. So the adults are there to primarily keep children safe, but also intervene when necessary, sometimes requested by a child, and sometimes we intervene on our own. But um, the adults on the playground are moving around and constantly covering the entire area, because Mm -hmm. this is a time where a lot of children are moving around at one time. Mm -hmm. And they're learning those. Can I break in for just a second? They're learning those social relationships, and as as I said earlier, but there is some research now. we're all of a certain age here on this panel, and <laughs> I'm not going to make assumptions. Uh, you may be the youngest, Abby. Uh, but most of us had unstructured, untotally monitored by adult time during our childhood, I would imagine, oh, yeah. where I know my own mom said, you're inside, get outside and play. You know, what are you doing here? And, and for most of us, and I'm seeing heads nodding, um, we were probably not expected to be seen until dinner time or until, you know, it was dark outside okay. for, for a great deal of our playtime. Children, for the most part, do not have, for whatever reason, either their neighborhoods are unsafe, there's a perception that things are unsafe, all of their time is structured because families are working, whatever that is, they have very little time in which the adult or an adult is not monitoring everything that they do. And yes, they're supervised on a playground, but it's usually from a distance. Correct. There's a, a little bit of a distance just mm-hmm. to make sure things are going okay and to you know, help them with any kind of social uh, difficulties that are becoming out of, um, out of the norm and to negotiate some very difficult challenges. But for the most part, that's the only time a lot of children get now Mm-hmm. to have that, that time for that peer culture. Let me give our phone numbers in case you want to call us and join our conversation about recess and the importance of recess. 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. I was interested and happy to hear you talk about the um, experiences about um, play equipment. I don't know how it was growing up in Winchester, but uh, they turned us loose on an asphalt parking lot with some jump ropes and a couple of uh, balls, and that was it. And But you know what? We had a good time. I mean, it was okay. But I think that we've come a long way 
um, recognizing that this is actually an opportunity to um, increase their physical uh, abilities and, and learn new games and, and new things like that. Was that um, something um, driven at the state level to, you know, let's get more play equipment outside for these kids? Or does anybody have any uh, history on that? It was mostly safety kinds of issues, I think. If you it? haven't been on a playground, and say, <laughs> from 30 years ago, it looks quite different. Right. There are now rules on sliding boards, and they have to be enclosed or mm. less than is it six or eight feet. You probably know better mm-hmm. at the school. Uh, the merry-go-rounds, uh, even some swings in some school districts mm-hmm. are gone for liability reasons, mm-hmm. uh, less physical activity reasons. But sometimes it's driven by different sources. Sometimes it actually is an educational purpose. We see the need in students to have more physical outlets and options. Uh, other times it is um, uh, donations. Playgrounds are very mm-hmm. expensive. And so when you drive by a school that doesn't have those way cool playgrounds, it oftentimes is just a matter of money. A, a standard, very basic playground setup would be $25,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that would, you would be surprised at how little that buys you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the space and the cost of the equipment, in addition to a liability concerns, mm-hmm. uh, really have changed how playgrounds look. Sometimes for the better, because we better understand what children need mm-hmm. and do. I think Bloomington Parks and Recs have some of the, mm-hmm. the, the coolest playgrounds around that schools would be prohibited from using because mm-hmm. of different, different reasons. But they're adapted for children with special mm-hmm. needs, and they're very, um, uh, very welcoming for children and, mm-hmm. and families to use together. So they're very nice. Mm-hmm. We've had a question come in online um, from Meg. She asks, what can we do if we feel that our children are not being given sufficient recess time during the school day? What can you do? Um, I'd say be a strong advocate for your children, either with the school principal, and I'll let Ab- defer to Abby on that, but I think we all need to become stronger advocates for the need for recess um, I'll throw this out to everybody, but um, would you ever deny a child lunch? Um, And I think that recess is uh, as important as lunch in terms of healthy growth, development, and learning. We now, from the research, and Donetta, you pointed to some of that as well, all of those things, mind, body, spirit, it's essential for the development and healthy growth, development, and learning of, of the body just as much as taking in nutrition is. So that parent, I'm assuming it was a parent, needs to be working with her teacher and her principal and then ultimately with the state to argue for this. Abby, did you want to address this? Yes, and I would double check to make sure the child isn't being kept in for, there's several different reasons, but Mm -hmm. to make sure that that's a typical day because sometimes kids are kept in for various reasons and we need to monitor that because... We try to be careful when we do that and limit the time so that kids can get out and get fresh air and make friends and, and join the fun. Mm-hmm. We need to mention why we're talking about this today, the DOE instructional time requirements and how those are going to have an impact on the way educators plan their school days. So let's talk about that a little bit. Excuse me. Can I follow up, though? Oh, sure. Being, yeah. Would you keep a child away from lunch? Absolutely not. No. Well, there's no reason in my mind to keep a child in for any reason from recess. Bob, can I ask you a question? Yes, You're ma'am. an 8-year-old boy. You're Bobby now. Mm-hmm. You've just moved to the school dris- district first mm-hmm. couple weeks of school. Um, last week you've lost three recesses because you didn't get your work done. How are you feeling? Are you sitting there during that that 15-minute recess time where you're in front of your worksheet now and all your new classmates are outside. How are you feeling? Are you focused on your worksheet? I'm probably in tears. You're in tears? What else are you feeling? I'm feeling really uh, sad and probably pretty angry. Are you working and focusing your brain on this? absolutely not. No. uh, Okay. Um, I'm not sure there are legitimate reasons, and I didn't mean to take us off the 90-minute thing because I think that's a very important question, but I really think the legitimacy of denying recess for any reason is an important issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Donetta, I, I think... I think I totally agree. Because coming from the academic area, if they don't take away recess, they take away PE. So I'm very <laughs> sensitive to that in particular. But also just trying to understand the pressures that teachers and principals are under today. If you aren't a teacher or principal, you... Um, 
don't think you can truly understand. I may not be here next year if Bobby's math score doesn't go up. I'm not yet convinced this whole recess thing is going to help his math score. I'm convinced the worksheet will. And so um, having uh, some empathy and sympathy for teachers and principals in that situation while advocating for the needs. But Bobby's crying. (laughs) I'm sad. I know. He's also angry. Eight-year-old Bobby in Winchester. (laughs) (laughs) Did I bring you back, Bob? You're going to need a drink after the show today. (laughs) So I don't want to defend the removal of it, but yet also understanding the context, and I think the DOE regulations that uh, we referred to earlier. Yeah, and I wanted to follow up on that because I think you said earlier that it's always been sort of intuitive to educators that, re- that recess is an important mm-hmm. component of the day. Um, but now you have the research to back it up. And I, I would say that probably to non-educators, that's the first place they're going to go. That, and you look at you know our state legislature and you look at what's happened at the federal government level and the, the, um, the increased use of standardized testing and all these kind of things where you're teaching to a test and how does recess fit into that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is it still a – in your mind, is it still a big battle to try to convince people that this is a major part of the, the learning proposition? We fight that battle every day, I think, in early childhood and physical education and administrators, too, because it's not just standardized testing. It's all the wonderful new content we've added. Mm-hmm. Keyboarding, I didn't have to worry about when, when I was in school. Um, so many schools now are adding languages at the el- at the elementary level. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably Abby can talk more about just the curricular additions at her school mm-hmm. just within the last four years, new reading series, new math series. How we teach math is different with manipulatives. It takes more time in addition to the mandated new time. And mm-hmm. so there are so many additions, but the school day basically looks like it did 1880, mm-hmm. uh, the school year, too. And so when you add those things without extending the time. But the first to go, Donetta, is P.E., recess, art, music. music. Mm-hmm. And then science and social studies. Right. <laughs> because of the requirements by the right. state. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we should say that um, we did ask for a comment from the Department of Education on this, and uh, there was no reply from um, our request for comment from that uh, organization. So uh, we're you know, that's why we have the folks we have commenting today. And we need to remind people that by statute, Indiana schools at the elementary level are required to re- provide students with 300 minutes or five hours of instructional time each day. These minutes cannot include time for lunch or recess. Secondary schools are required to provide students with 360 minutes or six hours of instructional time. So how long is your school day at your school, Abby? At Spernica, we have a little bit longer day. We start at 745, and our pickup children leave at 315, and our buses depart approximately at 330. So we have a little bit longer day than probably most schools. Mm-hmm. If I remember our visits with uh, David Schaefer, your superintendent, mm-hmm. the um, you've gone to sort of a balanced schedule, right? Correct. How, how early did you start? Did we you? started August 5th. Okay. And um, we end approximately May 22nd. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let me give the phone numbers again, 855-0811-877-285-9348. And you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can also follow us on Twitter at noon edition. And uh, Jack sent us a question on Twitter. Are we doing harm by supervising kids 24-7 and are we sending the wrong message? Mm-hmm. That calls for opinions. What would you think? I think at the school level, we have to supervise children. Um, When we have friends over at home, that's up to parents to make the decision or myself when I send my kids out back on the playground to play. Mm -hmm. But at school... We are, we are acting as the in loco parentis, as the parent, mm-hmm. and it is our direct responsibility to make sure we send them home safely. And without supervision, unfortunately, we're, we would know. So I, I feel strongly it's necessary, but I also agree that recess is a time when we have children that are kind of hanging around the adults or sitting out that we absolutely encourage them to engage with other children, not necessarily with us, not that right. we don't want to talk with them, but they have that opportunity mm-hmm. throughout the entire right. day. So we oftentimes will say, go play or we'll help them join a group. And sometimes we have to teach children how to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's a 
some kids just feel comfortable and are more social than the others, and and sometimes we need to assist children in joining in on the fun. But legally, you don't have any choice but to supervise nonstop. I mean, absolutely. Your I mean, corporation attorneys would lose their minds if they thought for one minute that anybody was not being supervised. And I would think the majority of parents would right, hope on course. some level course, their children are being supervised mm-hmm. because yes, if you've ever like been that. on a playground with. 100 or 125 little children running around, it's a lot different than taking your own children to the park, which you can Mm -hmm. sit and read a book or something. But in this situation, you're constantly scanning and making sure everyone's safe and and playing nice with each Mm -hmm. other. But I think Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I wonder if Jack maybe meant um, a little bit more about programming kids. Right. I think I think possibly that's what he was talking about because I think we do expect that our our educators and our schools should be doing the job that you're talking about, Abby, and I applaud the job that the, the, the schools in this area are doing in taking care of our kids so well. But I think that the is it John? Um, um, Jack. Jack mm-hmm. um, makes a good point. And there's a man named a uh, scholar named John Sutterby at University of Texas who does a great deal of research on this about something I alluded to earlier about how much time. Our children are monitored and supervised, and every bit of their day is consumed by some kind of program or some kind of time that is is involving adults, whether that's a violin lesson or it's mm-hmm. in the home in the next room while they're on a video game. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's, mm. it's not running in the neighborhood anymore. It's not getting on your bike and being gone for hours or running in a pack with a bunch of kids. Um, and what are we losing there? And we're just we're just studying that. We're not so sure. And so, mm-hmm. Jack, I, I'm not sure what to tell you, but um, John Sutterby would say a lot of magic is lost. A lot of time in which children create and dig holes to China. Mm-hmm. And how much of that do you think is just societal in terms of you know safety issues today? That. It maybe isn't as safe as it used to be to turn a bunch of kids out. Real or imagined, Bob? Right, we've all convinced each other that. My question with a question. (laughs) (laughs) We we do seem to have convinced each other that there's somebody waiting on every street corner to snatch our child. I think I think also that that question goes to one of the philosophical debates in the recess and education community. There's a a fairly large trend now. More and more schools have structured recess. It's no longer do I do I want to jump rope or not today. There's four choices. Pick one. There are facilitators on site. There are actually companies for hire. You can outsource your recess to companies who will come in, provide conflict mediation training, teach games, and have games set up at recess different stations. Part of that's driven by uh, supervision liability. If it's organized, you're less likely to have an injury. Part of it's driven by public health concerns. Recess is one of the times that public health in schools isn't mandated, but we can control it. If I can get your heart rate up for 40 minutes across the school day, that's going to have some significant physical, mental benefits for you Mm -hmm. just medically, not just educationally. Mm -hmm. So some schools have gone to structured recess uh, as part of this. I want to get Abby's reaction after uh, after we take a phone call and after we take a break. But first, we're going to take the phone call from Stan. Uh, Stan, go ahead. Hi, thanks. Uh I'm, I'm thinking about what I've read in, 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 in past years and even more recently about the kind of discipline and structure that, say, the Japanese children are under. And uh, I think we're, we're a lot safer with our kids uh, in that respect than uh, a structure like they and some other uh, countries have. But what I'm really curious about is what number or how many of our legislators understand what educators understand about what kids needs in school and, and what's being done at the legislative level about it. Well, let's say, uh, let's go to Mary. Oh, well, wow. Um, I don't think that I, I need to be careful here because I, I'll just say, I think that the policy for the 90 minutes of uninterrupted instruction in reading is ill-conceived, and I don't think it was conceived by people who understand education. Is that politic enough to Mm -hmm. to say it that way? Um, We just went honest. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's honest, Um, especially for K-3, but I would say throughout 
the elementary years in general. It is very difficult for um, – I'm not against literacy instruction. I am not against reading instruction. Um, but I am against mandating to teachers who are very well informed, very well educated and prepared, and against principals being hamstrung about mm-hmm. how they and their teachers can work together mm-hmm. in developing schedules and curriculum um, that meet the needs of their children and their families and their populations and mm-hmm. schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also against the notion of, um, and research backs this up, um, having children have an uninterrupted block of 90 minutes, especially six to nine-year-olds. I'm an adult. I don't want to do something for 90 minutes straight. I'm 54 years old. Did I just say that? (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want to sit for 90 minutes, or even if it's Mm -hmm. structured in a way where I can move around. For and do the same thing. The research backs up that it be in different blocks of time. Um, so I would say, caller, we all need to be supporting uninterrupted recess mm-hmm. and uninterrupted and and putting the decisions for curriculum and instruction back in the hands of those who understand curriculum and instruction. I think to have legislators making decisions about education is like taking your transmission to your chiropractor and asking him to work on it. Hey, exactly. you know, see what you can do with this. It just doesn't make sense. We're asking our state legislator to do that. Exactly. All right. All right. I think the comparison to Japan is an interesting one, but Japan's school day actually isn't that much longer than ours. They have recess every hour. They have a 10-minute break every hour. China does have a longer school day, in at least in the, the, the urban areas, but they have mandated physical activity before school. Every child runs before school. Every child has a morning and afternoon break. It's It looks like calisthenics to us, but it is physical activity mm-hmm. and a movement break. Mm-hmm. I'll stick up for the legislatures. Only in this way, they have a responsibility to mm-hmm. figure out how to spend the money that's available mm-hmm. to be spent in the state. Absolutely, so that's, but that's, they need to be consulting with mm-hmm. those who I, are... right. That's as far as I'm going on. Okay. <laughs> run defense. away, run away. All right. Uh, we are going to take a short break. We're talking about uh, recess and the importance of recess in school. And uh, you're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers south-central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today's topic is the importance of recess in school, and we have three guests who have taken us through a very lively first half part of the program. Abby Oliver, the principal of Spernick Elementary School in Brown County. Donetta Cothran, professor and director of undergraduate studies, the Department of Kinesiology at Indiana University. And Mary McMullen, professor of early childhood education, associate chair and department of curriculum and instruction chair, School of Education, Indiana University. You can join us by calling 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. I wanted to ask Abby, uh, we talked about, Donetta was talking about how some places even outsource their recess and have a more structured style. I want you to kind of describe what recess would look like today. I mean, are the kids are kids broken up into? You know, I, I fear there might be cliques of kids. I mm-hmm. fear there could be bullying going on. I <laughs> I wonder if there are different various age groups that mm-hmm. are interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. 
and then sort of relate that to this idea of structured recess. Okay. Um, I really like the idea of children having the opportunity to free play. Um, they do have a lot of structure throughout the day. And when you're six and seven and you start at 745 and end about 320 and someone's structuring your entire day and every activity you're doing, even though we allow for creativity and individuality within those groupings, I feel strongly this is a time that kids need to go play. And if, if this is a time they don't want to play on the monkey bars, <laughs> we shouldn't force them to. If they want to go run, because in Brown County we have lots of space, and they can play kickball and jump rope, and sometimes they like hopscotch, and some of those things are still alive. And I'm not sure that we should take those away from our children at this point. Mm-hmm. How about catch them, kiss them? Are they still? <laughs> Maybe that was just on our plate. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. We are we the phones are blowing up. So let's go to uh, let's go to the phones. And our first caller is from Sarah. She's in Bloomington. Sarah. Yes, um, I had kind of more of a comment. Um, I was always told that our public education system was supposed to prepare us to be good citizens, not necessarily <laughs> great workers. Um, and it seems like getting rid of recess and focusing more on just math and reading levels is really just preparing people for a workforce rather than being informed citizens. All right. The response is Mary. Well, um, I think you're right on, Sarah. One of the things that we know from research that uh, recess allows children to do if they have plenty of time with recess is the social learning skills that relate to autonomy and agency and democratic values. In other words, autonomy relates to learning independence, how to manage independence responsibly, how to make good decisions, and agency about making is involves making choices and living with the consequence of those choices. And these are democratic foundational skills about living in a social environment. And what the research tells us is you need time during a day in which there's supervision with uh, good teachers around and, and, uh, and in that structure where they can have some good direction um, to learn these skills. And sure, it should happen during the rest of the curriculum as well. There should be some choice making and independence. But a lot of that happens during these social times. Mm-hmm. And when you only have 10 or 15 minutes a day, or as the research shows, maybe 50 minutes in an entire week is the average that a child gets for recess, that's, uh, we're cutting back on this important opportunity. And we we want our children to have the opportunity to practice the things that we teach them. And if not, they become 18 years old without practice, and then we become just hopeful that they do the things that we instill in them. So this is a great time to practice at every phase so that when they get to the decisions, when they're in cars with friends without adults around, they're making good choices. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we protect some of that time. Okay. Thank you very much, Sarah. And we're going to go next to Jenny. Jenny? That's right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I, first of all, thank you so much. I totally ag- agree. It's just wonderful to hear what people are saying. I have here a clinical report from the American Academy of Pediatrics on the importance of play. So it's in, in, with a focus on children in poverty, and I just wanted to read one thing from it. It says, um, first of all, that, uh, that these issues of access to play disproportionately affect low-income children, and that access to recess and other in-school creative and physical outlets like physical education, art, music, um, have been reduced recently. And then the other thing, uh, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is so interesting, but... Um, Another statement is that play should be an integral component of school engagement and that school engagement is best realized when the educational setting is attending to the social and emotional development of children. So I guess uh, this just reaffirms what what your panelists are, are saying. And as a parent, I really want my legislators working with educators who understand children's needs, and and it's that social social and emotional um, work that children are doing when they play that 
I, I want them to have as well as the exercise. I mean, here we are at the eighth fattest state we saw in the paper the other day. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I guess I, I also have a question, you know, how, how much do you see as ideal? Because right now my kids are getting, you know, 20, 25 minutes of recess a day and they're, they're young, they're in elementary school. And to me, that just doesn't seem like enough for a, a full, a full day. But and that's it. I'll take the answer okay. off there. Donetta, do you want to? Well, several good comments from that caller, the last of which was about how much time is needed. I don't think we actually know how much recess time is needed to meet our goals, but we do know from a, a more of a medical perspective, the national recommendations are at least 60 minutes of moderate physical activity a day for children at the elementary school level. Some recommendations are higher. So you have to think of this as a comprehensive look at the school day. What's the preschool look like? Mm-hmm. Because children are being dropped off sometimes right after 6 a.m. with the early school drop-off. We have that lunchtime period. We have classroom activity time breaks that a lot of schools are being innovative with. Some children are in schools until 6 o'clock that night. What opportunities are we offering across the school day as mm-hmm. well as in the community, I think, is an important piece. So a recess is a piece of that in addition to some others. Well, and one of the things that probably you know this, Donetta, is uh, the more the research shows that the more uh, physical activity that they have with recess and PE during the day in school, the more likely that child is to be active after school. So for whatever reason, they, they tend to be more physically active. The other thing is we're fighting childhood obesity and we're fighting type 2 diabetes in young children. But let me ask uh, or go back to what the caller was saying about access and um, fairness and what the um, American Academy of Pediatrics and other research has found that children denied recess tend to be those who are um, the ones who probably need it the most and who benefit most from recess. But uh, let me just give you a a couple of quick facts here. 39% of African Americans versus 15% of whites are denied recess. 44% of children below the poverty line versus 17% of those above are denied recess. And um, 25% of those scoring below the mean on standardized tests versus 15% above are denied recess. So think about that for a few minutes. The kids that uh, – and uh, the main thing is the single – the child who is most likely to be denied recess is a young boy of some uh, – Latino or black who is – um, in the poverty. It comes from poverty. Mary, where, where are those uh, statistics from? These are from uh, the – they're from 2009 from the national uh, – from Olga Jarrett and Wait, um, Sandra Waite-Stupiansky. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, an article, Recess, It's Indispensable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, if you want to give us a call, 855-0811, 877-285-9348, slash Noon Edition is the uh, web address. And we have a call from Janet. Janet? Hi. Um, I was wondering if any of the presenters could describe what they would call the, the ideal school. If you were, the, if you were in charge of designing the day, um, the, you know, the whole nine yards. I know you don't have much time, um, but could could anybody describe that? Well, that's a good question, Janet. We'll, Abby, we'll, you've probably given this some thought. <laughs> a little bit. Um, I like the idea of recommendations. I think that sometimes everyone needs some type of suggestion or recommendation, but I like the opportunity to individualize it based on kids because sometimes you get a group of kids that may need more or less of something. And so the mandate sometimes is difficult, and we understand the power of reading and literacy is is critical in their development for all the other subject areas and in life to fulfill whatever job they're going to fall into. But um, I think a good balance, and sometimes we lose sight of balance, and that's how lots of people live their life is keep things in moderation, and we need to remember that in, in the school setting because sometimes adding so much pressure to our children at a young age turns them off to education. Mm-hmm. When you're taking a critical test at the third grade level that means pass or fail of third grade, 
you know, there's a line. And when I talk to our third grade children about that, I'm very careful because I don't want to add any more pressure than they're already dealing with. However, there's huge implications if they don't pass. So there's a line there. And so I I think keeping good balance is just critical to always be mindful of. Uh, It it sounds like what you're saying basically is like if you, you know, you you want to see the who's on your team before you decide how you're going to create a game plan. And isn't that what we do with everything? Mm -hmm. If you have a more advanced team uh, in this area, we can go to the next level. And if not, it may be, you know, learning the fundamentals. strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and, uh, plan accordingly. Absolutely. Well, uh, one of the things that I think about, and I'm looking to Donetta about this, but um, I ran across an article a few days ago that talked about having I totally agree with the individualized approach, but leaving aside at least a third of your time in your curriculum for the PE, recess, music, art, um, the the things that some schools and some legislators would consider the extras that could go. So, in other words, it's sort of it's the balance that you're talking Absolutely. about. So, no more than two thirds being the content areas of science, math, and social studies and language arts, um, and one-third at least of the other the other components of the curriculum, and considering them key and necessary components of mm-hmm. the overall health and well-being of children. Yeah. Well, and those one-third things that you just named are the reasons a lot of kids want to show up for school every day. And I think that, you know, the the desire to show up is is important. I mean, who wants to be dragged to a full day of anything. I mean, those of us who have jobs we don't care for, we, you know, we don't want to be there, and it's a bad, a bad situation. Why would we set our children up uh, for that sort of thing? It's painful. Yeah. Janet, you have a follow-up? Uh, I just agree with everything I've okay. heard, and uh, I appreciate so much um, the program being today. Uh, so many people need to hear this, and I hope that you've reached a lot of people. All right. Thanks a lot Thanks. for the call. Yeah. All right, Jan, thanks. 855-0811-877-285-9348, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, uh, Abby, I was looking at your school day. It's about seven and a half hours. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So are you able then to accommodate if you've got to have five hours of solid instructional time? So you're actually able to accommodate a couple of decent recesses and lunch. Is that right? Yes. And then we have to be creative also to make sure that the day is fun and that we're not pushing too hard because there's a balance. We want to push our kids and expect a lot, but we also want them to want to return to school when they're a fourth grader and a third grader because, Mm -hmm. as we know, once you start kindergarten, it's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, but you said that your school day is a little bit longer than what a lot of school corporations allow for. So that is the challenge then within Mm -hmm. this uh, DOE instructional time requirements. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And it's just how you choose to use your time. And and I agree with the panel that um, balance and we have never considered cutting out recess or making it even more organized than it already is. So those things are still really important to us in Brown County. All right. We have another phone call, and this one is from uh, Cheryl, who's in Columbus. Cheryl? Hi. Hi. Thank you. Um, I think I, maybe it's a statement or comment, but I found that what, do you ha- what happens with kids who really don't uh, spend a lot of time doing social play, they spend more time playing video games, so it's really pretty cut and dried. You win or you lose, and so they don't understand the subtle nuances of working with a group of kids and working those problems, those skills out. So I know we talked about having free play, which is good, but I found that uh, oftentimes I have to be there and structure the play first and help them to kind of mo- to model the problem-solving process so that the kids could actually play, finish playing the game on their own. Reaction? I think a lot of schools have uh, agree with you, and they've developed programs to address this. Some of those schools have developed conflict mediation peer negotiators on the on their recess. So when we're fighting about who won or who gets to play next, peers help problem solve. A lot of physical education teachers in the local schools, the first two to three weeks of school, are teaching playground games and conflict resolution. I drove by um, Templeton the other day, and Mrs. Chapin was outside teaching kickball. Mm-hmm. Not as part of what her curriculum typically would be, but as it's a popular game. 
It's a, mm-hmm. it's one that the children can self-start, initiate, and officiate mm-hmm. on their own. And she was making sure they knew the rules and that we could all agree mm-hmm. on how we're going to play this at Templeton. And then they mm-hmm. take those home because I know, like, Capture the Flag was a game I'd never heard of before. That just wasn't something we grew up with. And then, um, you know, all the kids in my neighborhood learned to capture the flag at school, and then that's what they were playing in the neighborhood mm-hmm. in the afternoons. But I think that's a real change is that need to teach those self-organizing skills. Even our majors in, uh, in kinesiology, when we'll be having a, a game, I'll say, okay, let's use ghost runners, which would have been standard practice growing up when, when I did. How do you play a game of baseball with less than 18? Well, we could play a, a mean game of baseball with five, no problem. <laughs> but today's students have such structured play. They're used to having officials, coaches, and full teams mm-hmm. whenever they play sport or game. That, that there is that transition step that's needed. Otherwise, recess becomes chaos, mm-hmm. and that chaos leads to injury. It leads to discipline problems. Most discipline problems occur during recess transitions or at recess. And so teaching those skill sets is, is critical. Mm-hmm. I would I – would, I'm sorry. I, I need to take those off. Um, some of the co- cooperative learning activities that we do through the teaching of, of math, science, social studies, all the, all the other kinds of things that teachers will do in the classroom are times, I would say, Janet, that your children could learn some of these social skills as well. Um, those are, yes, structured and, and supervised by teachers, but that is where a lot of this occur, this informal learning about how to get along with other children occurs. And those aren't games, and those aren't games with rules, but it is that social learning. And and these are things that do have um, um, outcomes and goals that they are working toward. But uh, one, one other plug, as somebody who works a lot with infants and toddlers and preschool, is that a lot of these skills should be learned very early on and um, in developmentally appropriate uh, settings we can be fostering these skills. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you very much. You know, I'm interested. This, um, Abby, you said you already have a nice long school day. We talked about that. But for those uh, school corporations who don't have quite a long school day and are trying to figure out how they're going to meet these uh, new standards, it seems that they may, if they feel, if they get pressure from the parent community and the, and the educator community to, in fact, maintain those um, recesses, then they're going to have to extend their school day as well, which is going to, in turn, cost the school corporation more money, which the DOE is also, you know, very concerned about. So it's going to be interesting to watch all this play out. That's just my little comment. And everybody's, uh, yeah, it is going to be interesting. Yeah. (laughs) All right. If you have a call, we have about five more minutes, 855-0811-877-285-9348. You can also go to the the live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Mary, I wanted to ask you because you do a lot of work with uh, preschool age kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of my um, my impression that there's a lot of pressure on preschools to start becoming more and more structured and less play-oriented, and I wanted you to address that. There's a lot of pressure from parents, uh, from some parents, um, but there's a lot of pushback from people who know what is appropriate with young children. So I'm not exactly sure. I think most of us who are early childhood educators and are well-educated in the field um, help parents or try to help parents understand um, mm-hmm. that w- the value of play. So I'm not exactly sure um, – yeah. What more I can say about okay. it? All right. What's part of that national trend? How many people uh, have purchased baby Einsteins for? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I think just um, what is developmentally appropriate childhood, and and how does technology fit into that? We're struggling with that now. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like we're going to go. Okay, let's just go back to no technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. What does it mean to be plugged in on screen time? How do we? Uh, enhance those experiences and outdoor experiences and find time for both. We all struggle with that. It seems that childhood has become much more competitive than it was, bef- um, you know, maybe 40 years ago. Would you agree or disagree? I would agree. Years ago, um, 
our afternoons were not as structured with practices starting when we're three and four, different events. It used to be, as she mentioned, when you came home, you went outside and played, and we saw you at dark or at, mm-hmm. at, at dinner time. So not only is our day really structured, a lot of times our evenings are structured with attending a lot of other events until bedtime. Mm-hmm. You know, the competition was – it was different, and it all goes back, it seems to me, to this play thing. And I, and I wonder – I mean, the playgrounds at our elementary schools way back when I was growing up – were always busy places. And a lot of times after school, kids from one school would meet at the other school on the playground to have a football game mm-hmm. or to have a baseball game. And so, you know, we always were sort of competing with one another, but it was all set up by us who said, we're going to show up over there, guys, and we're going to be ready. <laughs> and we'd have ghost runners. And all yeah. <laughs> do, do, uh, I mean, do playgrounds, are playgrounds busy after school? Are they open to people to come after Depends school? largely. In Bloomington, largely yes. In many communities, no. It's a liability concern. It's con- your lawyer will say it's an attractive nuisance. You better lock that up mm-hmm. because someone's in here at midnight. It's also uh, for safety for the children. If you have tennis courts, you think, why? Why can't the community use those? Because we oftentimes do have the best resources on schools for the community. What if there's broken glass? And now I'm going to take my class out first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, I think, a lot of the liability concerns are driving who has access to. You can't use the steps at the stadium. Uh-huh. You know, here in, in Bloomington anymore, uh, it's rare to find those unlocked. Versus ten years ago, people, a lot of people trained there, going up and down. Right. Same with school facilities using tracks. Right. Okay, we have uh, about a minute to go total. Any last thoughts anybody want to offer about uh, before we get off the air? Things that you want to make sure, your message you want to make sure it gets across? Going once? (laughs) I think if those of you that have children, those of you that are uh, just see a child next door, play at recess, play before school, play on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Can't overestimate the importance of that in the child's total development, including school success. And for all the parents to be sure they understand their child's day at school because that will help them make decisions with their evenings as well. Okay. That's a great point. I would say recess is not a reward. It is a right. It is something that it is a need. And all parents and teachers should be advocating for it. Okay. We are out of time. It's been a very lively hour program. Mm-hmm. All three of you were terrific guests, and I appreciate your being here. And thanks to our callers as well, of course. And Mary Catherine, it's great to be back together again. The yes, team's it back is. together. Thanks, Bob. All right. And uh, I want to thank uh, Gretchen Frazee and Emily Wright. Our producers, Mike Pashkash, our engineer, and Kyle Halp, our audio engineer. Uh, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and The Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, Addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement. Offering undergraduate and advanced degrees. publichealth.indiana.edu.